Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Asset Allocation Report for September 19th, 2022. Well, the Federal Reserve has made no secret of its intent to curb inflation by means of interest rate hikes, even if economic pain is the result. The Fed's hope, of course, is that any slowdown or recession will be mild. I'm Phil Adler, Confluence Investment Management Market Strategist Patrick Farron Hernandez joins us today to discuss why present Fed policy is more likely to lead to a deeper recession than the stock market currently anticipates. Patrick, first, Confluence Investment Management is on record anticipating the onset of recession early next year. Reiterate for us why recession and why early next year. First, thanks for uh, having me on the program, Phil. To get at your question, remember that we use a number of different indicators to gauge when there's likely to be a shift in the business cycle. We have a big toolkit, not a small one. And the thing that has us concerned about a recession is that a number of different indicators are signaling problems ahead. For example, multiple measures of the yield curve have now inverted. Other indicators are also sending up warning flags, such as the drop in real disposal, personal income, and consumer optimism. Those warning flags have historically gone up about a year ahead of the recession. Taking into account when we first started to observe those warnings, it looks like early 2023 is the most likely date for the start of a recession. And what is the stock market telling us about what investors currently expect? Well, any way you cut it, the stock market suggests investors are looking for a mild or moderate recession. If you look at how far the S&P 500 stock price index has fallen since its last high on January 3rd, the drop isn't that big compared with historical drops during recessions. The drop to date has been pretty moderate, which suggests investors were only expecting a mild recession. So perhaps investors currently have confidence in the Fed's ability to keep the pain level reasonably low. Yes, and that's a key point. We think investors are generally putting too much faith in the Fed's ability to engineer a soft landing or keep any recession modest. We see plenty of reasons to think the Fed is actually much more prepared to err on the side of aggressive rate hikes that push the economy into recession rather than smaller rate hikes that fail to cut inflation. Well, what do you think about the Fed's ability or power to control financial conditions? Well, importantly, we don't think the Fed, or hardly anyone else, has really internalized how the financial system's changes in recent decades have made it much more difficult for the Fed to affect financial conditions by raising or lowering its benchmark Fed funds interest rate. In the modern financial system, the Fed has much less direct control over financial conditions than it once did. When did the Fed lose this ability to heavily influence financial conditions, and why? Well, if you look at the relationship between the Fed funds rate and the Chicago FRB's broad index of financial conditions, it looks like the breakdown came sometime in the late 1990s. Now, we haven't pinpointed a specific cause for that breakdown, but we suspect that it arose because by then the U.S. economy had become much more money market driven than bank driven. 
By the late 1990s, those in need of capital and those holding excess capital, including foreign entities, had increasingly started to find each other via efficient impersonal trading markets. For example, rather than borrowing from banks, sophisticated corporate borrowers issue bonds directly to investors. The holders of high-quality assets like U.S. Treasury notes pledge them in return for a loan via the repo market. That's been a big change for the financial system, and we think that's a big part of the story. I'm a little bit confused here, Patrick. Why wouldn't an increase in interest rates affect these market transactions just as much as bank transactions? Well, remember that the Fed's operations that affect interest rates work directly on banks. But the banks now have a more tenuous relationship to the rest of the financial system. The pass-through of Fed interest rate policy can get tripped up if the banks are dealing with capital requirements or other restrictions, or if their lending standards are making it hard to borrow from them. And the financial and other costs of borrowing from banks can be high. For any number of reasons, the banks nowadays have much less direct impact on the financing available to companies. That's evident in the way the Fed funds rate now has virtually no correlation to the Chicago FRB's financial conditions index. So are you saying that in this new market-driven environment, increasing the Fed funds rate may be the wrong tool to best achieve the Fed's dual mandate of stable prices and maximum employment? Exactly. Even with its aggressive interest rate hikes to date, we think the Fed hasn't been able to tighten financial conditions nearly as much as it wanted to or expected. Are there economic indicators out there that back up your theory? Yes. One example we cite in our written report is the way that the Fed has been forced to keep hiking interest rates even with market volatility high. Now, traditionally, the Fed has cut rates or refrained from hiking them whenever the VIX gauge of stock price volatility has been above 20. Well, the Fed's now hiking rates despite the VIX being well above that level, just as it did in its bubble-popping period in the late 1990s. Patrick, is there a plausible second avenue that the Fed might follow to try to reach its goals? Well, we're increasingly convinced that the Fed might be better off focusing on backstop programs to put guardrails around the value of market-traded instruments. The Fed did that with some of its emergency programs during the pandemic. For example, it promised to buy a wide range of assets ranging from treasuries and commercial paper to municipal bonds, if necessary, to ensure their tradability. The programs were so successful in calming market fears that they were hardly used. We're getting much more comfortable with a possible future world in which the Fed lets interest rates move more on their own, but intervenes when marketable asset values fall or rise to extreme levels. In a way, this is what the ECB is doing already by raising interest rates but promising to buy the bonds of economically weaker Eurozone countries if their yields blow out. Is the Fed showing any signs of turning to this course of action? Like I mentioned, the Fed already did this in a very big way early in the pandemic crisis in 2020. And like I mentioned, implementing those backstop programs calmed the market so much that they were hardly used at all. That probably encouraged policymakers to put them on the back burner again and forget about them. We haven't seen any indication that they're ready to start using them again, but we think the Fed could well turn to them again in the coming years if it continues to have trouble controlling financial 
financial conditions. In such a world, the Fed could keep interest rates high, but implement the backstops as its primary policy tool. Patrick, can you think of a reason why the Fed might be reluctant to go ahead with this course of action? Well, we don't necessarily think the Fed is there yet. The policymakers still seem to be focused on using interest rates as their policy tool. We may need to see a much longer period in which rate hikes fail to have the expected impact on financial conditions before people focus on other ideas. And even then, the Fed would probably need an extended period to really analyze and get comfortable with such a change in its approach. All the same, we want to flag this as a possibility for investors to consider. Current Confluence asset allocation recommendations already anticipate a recession. What further recommendations does Confluence Investment Management have waiting on deck if a severe recession becomes, in your view, even more likely? Well, I suspect we would go even further in the directions that we've been headed in. The core of such a move would be to potentially reduce our exposure to riskier equities even further and reallocate the funds toward bonds. Within our remaining equity exposure, we might put even more emphasis on the relatively more stable defensive sectors like consumer staples and healthcare. Within our bond exposure, we might put even more emphasis on treasury obligations over corporate We're happy that we've already made adjustments in those directions, but we're prepared to go further if the Fed keeps hiking interest rates and the chance of a tough recession rises further. Thank you, Patrick. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Be aware that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.